But let's turn down our Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Talking about, that's not my gift, versus just being a servant, all right? So we're going to begin today. Oh, look, our PowerPoint's working. It's so nice. Last week it was kind of... <laughs> Somebody else likes PowerPoint. I like PowerPoint. Okay, but we're going to study our uh, start our study in Romans 12 by going back to Genesis 24. I don't know if you're on our Bible reading program, like I've encouraged. I do it every year. Read through the Bible at least once. And, and so as I'm doing it, I'm just getting, wow, revisiting these classic stories like Tyler was talking about during worship, this one is just so clue, or so, so, uh, so, what's the word I'm looking for? Cool. Man, we're in trouble today. <laughs> anyway, there's four main characters in this uh, love story. And the first one is Abraham. He's, he's the father. And he's going to represent God the Father. And then there's an unnamed servant who represents the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit's not here to draw attention to himself, but to point attention to Jesus Christ. So then there's this, the Abraham's son, his Isaac, remember the son of the faith, and now he's going to represent Jesus Christ. I'm going to move this, sorry. And then finally there's Rebecca. She represents you. She's the bride-to-be, only she doesn't know it at this time. So in this story, Father Abraham needs to find a bride for his son. That was the father's uh, duty. So he goes to his servant, the unnamed servant. It was the oldest servant he had. And he said, I want you to go find a bride for my son. And so my son named Isaac. And so he goes and he finds Rebecca. But there's two requirements. That there's, there's no, no lead way here. There, there, two things that have to happen. Number one, she must be taken from his people. So you have to go back to my land and find someone from my people. And number two, she has to be willing. So it's interesting, the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man are both covered here. The sovereignty of God, you have to go to my people, my, my elect. The responsibility of man, you got to be willing. If you think of it, she might have never been more than 20 miles from her house. She may have been... Just And maybe never ventured out beyond that. And if she's going to get married to this guy, it's going to be all things new. She's going to commit to fall in love with a guy she's never seen. Like Jesus said, blessed are you who see. Or you, you see and believe, but blessed are those who don't see and believe. She's one of those. She's going to be all things new. I'm, I'm leaving my culture, my, my family, my loved ones. I'm going to follow this, this uh, new man. That's, what, that's what's going on. So now we pick it up in the servant's words. It's, uh, the story is told through his eyes. And he goes, well, I was on my way. So here's what happens. In Genesis 24, the servant takes 10 camels. And each camel is loaded with the master's goods, the master's gifts. So here, this servant is, is in charge of everything. He, he can distribute the gifts as he wills. See how this ties in with the New Testament? And so he takes 10 camels, and he goes to this foreign land, and he, he sits outside a village, and it's evening time. So people are going to come in and feed the sheep, feed the goats, have dinner, stuff like that, go home for the evening. 
And he's there, and he prays this prayer like, Lord, if I could interpret it, Lord, I'm not sure what I'm doing. I, I think you're in this. I, I'm, I'm walking in obedience. I, I just, um, could, could I make it a deal? What if I go up to one of these girls, the shepherdesses, and I just say, can I have some of your water? They carry it, you know, still like in India on the shoulder or on the hip. And she goes, sure, you can have my water, and let me water your camels as well. That way I'll know you're in this. So along comes Rachel, probably a teenager, probably this uh, single, young adult beauty queen. It emphasizes how beautiful. So I just picture Miss Universe. Who doesn't know she's Miss Universe? She's just one of the girls. This is what I do. And, and so she comes by and he goes, hey, could I have some water? And it says she lowers the water from her shoulder. That thing's heavy. And gives him water. And then she offers, let me water your camels as well. If you were Rebecca, looking at the camels, would you make this offer? Or would you think, doggone, why don't you just bring one camel? You got to show off. Ten camels. What, what, you know, if it was two, I might do it. But ten, because I have this question for you. It says she, she runs to get the water for the camels. That's amazing. See, my wife claims I have issues with people who walk slow in the crosswalk. You know, look, if you're 100 years old, I'm going to give you some grace. If you're 18 to 30 and you're going like this, you know, I'm, 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 I go nuts. Hey, a little hustle would be appreciated. Karen says, shh, shh, oh, I'm sorry. That's, I'm carnal, okay? I'm a sinner, saved by grace, sometimes barely. But they, 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 she runs. She's the opposite of someone who just drags their feet and, oh, man, I got to do She's hustling. So here's my question. How much water does a camel drink? You got 10 of them. I'll save you some time. You can Google this. Anybody, anybody have a, a, a guess? 30 gallons? Did you just look it up? How did you know that? You just guessed? I am not messing with you. 30 to 50 gallons per camel. Now, when we worked on surfboards, we used these 55-gallon drums of resin and of acetone. You know, the, like they're, they're, a lot of them are used for trash cans. So you're thinking, that thing's huge. So minus five gallons, and a camel can drink that much water. And here she is going, you got ten of them? And she hustles. She runs. She's a servant. She's not aware of, do you know who I am? How beautiful I am? She's just hustling. I just love that about her. And so here's the servant watching all this, and he's praying, God, I wonder if this is an answer to prayer. Well, so far, she's doing exactly what you asked for. And so he goes, okay, listen. He gives her a nose ring. Now, you might have issues with nose rings. I don't. They're in India, they're everywhere. But the ones I have issues with, they have a nose ring and a chain connected to an earring. And I just go, girl, you don't want to get in a fight. You know, in, in Hawaii, you'd be minus, it'd just get ugly, just ripped out. 
So I don't care about that. But she, so he gives her a nose ring. He gives her bracelets. And, oh, all this stuff. And he goes, hey, do you have a place for us to stay tonight? And she says, yeah, come follow me. And she's bringing them home at dinner time. It says it's evening. Okay, you guys who have teenage girls, do they have this kind of a freedom to bring home 10 camels, and I'm assuming a bunch of servants, for dinner, unannounced? There's no cell phone. Hey, Mom, I'm bringing people home tonight. It's just you're looking out the window going, oh, I guess we're having a party tonight. And then you go, what did they do back then? I mean, for dinner, unannounced, and you're like, who are you? And kind of fumbling through names, and I forgot your name already. You know how we do it? And so what did they do? They had no cell phones, no video games. They didn't even have Monopoly, okay? What did they do? They talked. They asked questions. Where are you from? You know my relative. How is Abraham doing? What's going on? And just just asking all these questions because she had this gift of hospitality. And so here's the servant going, well, you know what? As I was being on the way, the Lord was with me. I think it's so interesting. He could have just sat there in Israel going, okay, Lord, just bring her to me, which is what I prayed. I didn't want to get in God's way and you're not going to like this, but I would literally, no, I wouldn't literally, but from the heart, Lord, you brought Eve to Adam. You can bring what's her face to me. And don't judge me for a simple prayer. But instead he goes, no, you were instructed, go. You were instructed, go. A lot of people go, well, Lord, if you want me to have a job, just start, you know, showing up at the front door. And he says, no. He says, I was on the way. I was patiently waiting for the Lord, but I was also aggressively seeking him. And so as I did that, God blessed me. And then he goes, will, uh, will your daughter go with me? And they said, let's ask her. Remember, she has to be from the people. That was our check. She has to be willing. She could have gone, I don't want to leave. I, this is all I know. Everyone I love is here. It's just, you know, it's just great. I just, she goes, no, I'll, I'll fall in love with somebody I don't know yet. I will leave everything behind. I will deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him, if you will. And she went. She said yes. Now, this is a beautiful story how Father God provides and sends his Holy Spirit to you to seek a bride for his son. I find a lot of people are comfortable with being, I serve the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. Are you comfortable being a bride of the Lord? Do you not ever receive his love? Do you bask in that? So here she's just being a servant. Right? I, I'm picturing a typical teenage girl that goes, gee, I wonder if I'll get married someday. I wonder if I'll have kids. I, I wonder if I'll have my own house and, you know, uh, a slew of camels. I don't know. And... But what we do, we find her not spinning out on mind games, but simply serving the Lord. She had no idea what God was doing behind the scenes. No idea. She just knew she's meeting needs of someone right in front of her and fell right into the Lord's will. 
So interesting. So she's an example of what we're going to study in Romans 12. So long intro, short sermon. How's that sound? Okay. Thus far, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Last week, I, I shared about this 1980s catamaran. I don't know if you ever saw the picture. There's a 1980s catamaran. Our neighbors back then said, hey, come sailing with us. I know nothing about sailing, and I prove it anytime I'm invited out. So we went out at Haliva. We come back in, load up again, go back out, and a spring jumped off the boat. This little tiny spring, and we saw it just, <laughs> there it goes in the water. The spring cost all of 12 cents, and without it, we couldn't sail. And I thought, that's, like a, that's just like a healthy church. Every single part is necessary. That's why we study the gifts of the Spirit. Every single gift is necessary. So you're going, well, how do I, how do I discover my gift? The good news is God wants you to know your gift. It's not supposed to be some mystery that you can never ascertain. But in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul the apostle said, I really want to come to Rome because I want to impart a spiritual gift to you so that you will be established. So it's like his heart's breaking. Like, oh, I, I know there's Christians that are forever stuck in that Romans 7. You know, I want to do good, but I end up doing bad. He goes, I wanted you to be established. I, I know you're, it's like you're two steps forward and three steps back. That's no way to live in Christ. You're living a life of defeat when it should be in victory. And I, I want you to know what your gift is. I want you to do something once a week. Do or die. Come heck or high water. You know, like, you know, it could be a host for the Ohana group. Here's how it works. You say, okay, I'm going to host... Uh, whatever night, Tuesday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, whatever. And I'm telling you right now, the worst night of your life is going to be that day. You know, all day long, you know, you got to, you feel lousy, drama comes up, the house is a mess, you know, and you just go, can we cancel? No. You said you're going to do this. Just do it. Once, you know what else? What happens is this deadline of repentance where you go, Lord, I haven't exactly been following you this week. No one would have a clue that I'm a Jesus lover. I repent. As you do something once a week, consistently, it develops this, it establishes your walk to where you start denying those feelings. You start showing up regardless. You start trying to do it in the name of Christ and in the nature of Christ, and what happens, you become established. So he said, how do I discover that? Chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1. I want you to present your body a living sacrifice. You know all about presenting dead animals. Now you get up on the altar. Alive. You live for God. The problem, living sacrifices tend to crawl off the altar. This is like a get up there once and for all. Don't play games with God. So present your body a living sacrifice. Reject the cookie cutter mentality of the world, which is you have to live with a, like us, you have to think like us, you have to accept our values. Because reject that. They're trying to squeeze you into the mold of how to live, how to think. No, instead, be metamorphosized. Like the caterpillar that changes into the butterfly, that's what God wants to do in your life. 
And as this happens, you're constantly being uh, changed into God's image. So last week, it was specific gifts. This week, it's as if Paul the Apostle anticipates, I know what they're going to think. I don't have the gift of mercy, so I don't have to be merciful. I don't have the gift of hospitality, so I don't have to show hospitality. He goes, okay, look, last week was on specific gifts. This week is on characteristics of gifted people. Rebecca's, who I don't know all the stuff that might be going on. I know I can meet the need of that person in front of me. So with that, we're going to read Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. And I, it, it, this part of Romans, it's like Proverbs. Remember in Proverbs, you can have one chapter, 30 verses, 30 different thoughts. So this is a lot of different thoughts, but uh, it's all part of the gifts. So let love, verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. What's your spiritual temperature? Serving the Lord, not just people. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Can I get an ouch? Distributing to the needs of the saints, <laughs> given to hospitality. We're, there we are, back to Rebecca. All right, so let love be without hypocrisy. It's a reference back to the Greek actors. They would wear masks, hypocrite, instead of hypocrite. And so they'd, they'd project something on the outside with their mask, but there's something else on the inside. So on the outside, they have this big smile, but on the inside, they might be cursing you. So it's like Paul, or I'm sorry, King David when he was writing about Ahithophel. Don't, don't let me lose you. Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. When David fell with Bathsheba, Ahithophel tried to have King David killed by his son Absalom. So David wrote in Psalm 55 about Ahithophel. And he was crushed by this guy that turned against him. And he said, you know, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. That's a hypocrite. He goes on to say, his words were soft like oil, but they're drawn swords. It's ready to kill. He said, don't, don't love like that. Now, what's interesting, I'm glad that God doesn't love me with a hypocritical love. He says, okay, love others the same way. So from there he goes, I want you to abhor things. I want you to cling to things. Now, there's certain temptations I absolutely abhor. I, it's beyond me how someone gets tempted to mess with a little kid. Oh, come on. Come on. You can, you can be damaging them for life. What are you doing? I'm just, that's just, just, I hate that sin. But I find there's other sins I, I find rather attractive, rather appealing. So do you. I once gave a sermon about rattlesnakes in your closet. You know how, for some stupid reason, we keep these deadly temptations in a place where well, I can pull it out now and pet my rattlesnake. A guy came up after that sermon. 
I, to me, he was the straightest walker in the church. He, I just, this guy's in. He loves Jesus. I, hey, what's up? He goes, uh, I got rattlesnakes in my closet. I had no idea all the junk that was in that closet that got cleaned out that day. He said, I, I want you to abhor. But I, 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 other these some I, I find appealing. He's, yeah, well, you need to abhor those too. And then he says, I want you to cling to other things. And you think, oh, how do you cling? One of the best definitions, like an OPE to a rock, stuck on. But I read this story years ago of a, gal, of a mom who was fixing a meal, looking out over the sink and over the, the window. And in the backyard, they're, they're in gator country. And she saw a gator, an alligator, come out of the water and get her kid, one of her little kids. That mom ran out there and clung to her child as she simultaneously wrestled an alligator. Got all shredded. I'm glad to say she won. That alligator didn't stand a chance. But see, she's clinging to what is good. This is good. This is my kid. I'm going to keep him. Said, so, yeah, that's how you should do. Cling to what is good. Now, I have a problem with America right now. I don't see us abhorring what is evil. I see us promoting it. I don't see us clinging to what is good. I, I see us like Romans 1 says, professing to be wise, they became foolish. And so now, like Isaiah said, be, be, beware when they're calling good, that's evil. When they're calling evil, well, that's good. That's the America we're living in right now. So he goes in verse 10, I want you to be kindly affectionate to one another with love. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, next week, Pastor Danny's going to be sharing. And he said, oh, you can borrow this, this verse from his section. So in verse 15, he said, I, I want you to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You go, how do I do that? If I don't have the gift of rejoicing, dude, that's not a gift. That's a fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace. He says, okay, here's a way to test. Rejoice. Can someone else be stoked or can you be stoked when someone else gets a promotion? And do you smile on the outside and on the inside going, I want to get a promotion. I should be doing that job. I should be getting that reward. I should be driving that new car. Can, can someone honestly be blessed and you rejoice with them or do you have an attitude about it? I'm going to share a story that you're not even going to believe. It's when microwave ovens first came out. Was anybody else alive before microwave ovens came out? I told this story in premarital counseling, and, and the girl goes, wow. A time when there's, it's like we're in the dinosaur era or something. Did they have electricity? Just, anyway, so my friend, Ed Angulo, I was working for Ed, doing surfboards, and uh, we're taking a break from work. He goes, hey, uh, I go, oh, you got a new microwave. Awesome. He goes, wow, I have a wife and three boys. And yeah, those three boys eat a lot. And he's explaining. And I said, Ed, you don't have to explain to me. God's blessing you. I'm stoked for you. You know what he said? I wish there were more Christians that did that. Rejoiced with those who rejoice. Wow, praise the Lord. He's blessing you. But then it goes, how about weep with those who weep? And you see someone hurt and you go, well, 
either suck it up, buttercup, or do you say, I don't have that gift. I don't have the gift of compassion. Go find someone who does. It doesn't work that way. Look at this verse in, um, um, when Jesus said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not compassion. But here in Colossians chapter 3, it says this, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, as the elect of God, known as holy and beloved, all he's doing there is reminding us of who we are in Christ. Like, come on, I'm not talking to heathen. I'm not talking to unbelievers. I'm talking to you. you remember, you're elect. 